Well, if you've got a Bible this morning, you can go ahead and turn to the book of 2 Corinthians. Book of 2 Corinthians. And we're going to be in chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. So if you guys remember, uh, if you've been here a long time at the church, you know that the church didn't always look this way, looking this way, right? That we remodeled a lot of this up here. There used to be, you can still see in the carpet, there used to be an organ pit right here where there was an organ there. And then over here there was a piano, uh, a nice large piano that the church bought a long, long time ago and was in our church for 70 years, okay? Um, and that piano set right there. But eventually we decided... We didn't want the piano down here after we redid the stage. We wanted it up here. But that piano was extremely heavy, very heavy. So we literally asked a football team to help us move it. We were serving the football boys, and we had them over here for dinner. And we said, hey, before we feed you, come move a piano for us. So we got all these linemen and linebackers lined up all around that thing. That thing was so heavy, but those dudes lifted it up. And moved it up here like nothing, right? Because there was 15 boys, uh, large husky boys, standing around that piano lifting it. So that burden that would have been impossible for one person to carry was actually fairly easy with a lot of people carrying that burden, moving that thing. It was actually, in some sense, miraculous that that piano moved from down there to up here unscathed. It, it, it was just fine. It was well, scathed as much as it was before then, right? But it didn't get any worse than it was before. And that's a miracle that people are able to share burdens. That's a blessing and a miracle that people are able to share burdens. And we're going to look this morning how God calls us to share one another's burdens through prayer. God miraculously enables us in the midst of our afflictions, to be comforted by him through other people, particularly through their prayers. So we've seen so far that an expectation of a church member is one, that they would attend regularly. Second, that they would serve willingly. Third, that they would give generously. And today we're looking at they are expected to pray intentionally. Pray intentionally for the people in the church. So let's go ahead and read First Corinth, or sorry, Second Corinthians chapter one, verses three through eleven. We're going to see the, a picture here of prayer for one another and how God enables us to bear one another's burdens in that. So let's look at Second Corinthians chapter one, verses three through eleven. Let's read. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we're afflicted, it's for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you, also, you will also share in our comfort. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despised 
uh, that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the death sentence. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He delivered us from such, uh, such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him, we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and we thank you that you are the God of all comfort and we praise you for that. And God, we want to pray that as we... Um, as we take advantage of that comfort that you've given us, as we bask in that, in that comfort that you give us, Lord, we pray that we would use that comfort to bless others as well. God, we pray that you would help us to um, take up one another's burdens and bear one another's burdens through prayer that we might be uh, glorifying to you and helpful to one another. We love you and we praise you. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, this morning, I want to point out just a few things from this passage. Number one, the first thing I want you to see in this passage is this. God's praise for our comfort. Notice how this starts off. It starts off by praising God for the comfort he gives us. It starts off with the word blessed. That word blessed means to bring somebody um, honor, bring honor and praise to somebody's name or recognize the activity that they've done. So as we are blessed or as we read this passage, we're called to bless God. This is what Paul is doing in this passage. He's introduced he's introduced himself and it's common for Paul in the New Testament to give a word of praise as he starts his book. And what he does in this book is he praises God for the comfort that God gives. Notice he says, blessed be the God um, of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. God is a God of comfort. It's part of his character. It's part of his nature. We talk about um, how some people are blessed with the, you know, a type A personality. Um, they're able to lead. Other people are blessed with uh, an organizational mind. Other people are blessed with maybe tenderness or the ability, to, uh, the ability to empathize with other people. That's what we're talking about here with God. He has this characteristic in and of himself that he is a God of comfort. If, if, if God were a sponge and you squeezed him, comfort and mercy would come out of him, right? If, if he was a water balloon and you poked him, the, just like water comes out of a water balloon, mercy comes out of God, right? That's what naturally flows from who he is. And Paul says, we bless God for that. We thank God that he is our comfort. But that word comfort, as we see in this passage, if, if, you, if you will, allow me to just be a Bible nerd for just a second. That word comfort um, is the same word that's used to describe the Holy Spirit in John chapter 16. Uh, the paraclete or parakletos is, is the word for that's used to describe the Holy Spirit as the helper, as the comforter that Jesus would send. Remember what Jesus said in John 16. He said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. So Jesus is praying with his disciples at the end of his life. And he's saying, it's good for me to leave because I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And he calls the Holy Spirit there a paraclete or a helper or a comforter. Now he uses that same exact word to describe what God does in this passage, right? He's the God of all comfort who comforts us in our affliction. He, he is a paraclete to us. That word paraclete is, if you break it in half, again, we're, we're going to be done with the Bible nerd stuff here in a second, but if you break that word in half, 
Paraclete or parakletos, it's para kaleo, or para is like next to, like parallel. So someone who is a paraclete is someone who comes next to you and speaks on your behalf. It'd be somebody who, in a courtroom or in, in, or in a judgment situation, they would come alongside of you and give testimony about you, or they would come alongside you to encourage you. The picture is that, somebody coming alongside of you in a courtroom to speak on your behalf, or another way to think of it is if you have a broken bone and a doctor splints that, right? They put something up next to that painful spot so that it can give it support and strength in the midst of that pain. So when Jesus is, or when Paul's saying here that God is our comfort, he's that one that comes alongside of, of us in the midst of our affliction to give us strength in that situation. I think that that word does encompass like, relief from pain, but I think it also includes strength in the midst of pain to allow you to get through that pain, to get, get you through that affliction that's going on. And as we think of Paul specifically, he's saying that you know, I, I, God is God of all comfort who comforts us in our affliction. If we think of Paul's afflictions that he often had, his afflictions were physical, spiritual, emotional, all kinds of afflictions. It's not just one specific kind of affliction, but all kinds of afflictions. Paul was shipwrecked and snake-bitten, so he knew what it was like to physically suffer. He knew what it was like to spiritually suffer. He talks about at the end of this book how there's a thorn in his flesh that God gave him to force him to rely on God. He knows what it's like to emotionally suffer, to have people who he really cares about turn their back on him and abandon him. He knows what it's like to have all of these types of afflictions. And yet God says in this passage, or Paul says in this passage, that, he's, that he is the God of all mercies, or he's the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction. God is not a God that would ignore some type of affliction in your life. There's no affliction that God forgets, no oversight, no mistakes, no miscounting. He doesn't lose track. There's often times that, I'm going to forget even some of the most important details in my life. I'm going to forget them. But God never forgets the details in your life. He never forgets the afflictions that you have in your life. And he comforts us in all of those. Not one is, is overlooked. Not one is, is forgotten about. Jesus, com God comforts us in all our afflictions. God is the God of all comfort and we should praise him for that. Take a moment to think how God has comforted you in your afflictions. We could take the rest of our time together and preach no more and just praise God for all the ways that God has comforted us in different situations. Whether it's family issues, whether it's financial, whether it's work problems, uh, whatever that is, whatever that is, God has brought you comfort in that and you could praise him for that. So don't stop praising him for that. Think about that daily in your life. How is God today giving me comfort in my affliction? How can I praise him for that? That's what Paul is doing in this passion. He's praising God for comfort. So number one, we see God's praise for our comfort. But second, we see God's purpose for our comfort. We've established God comforts us in our afflictions, but the question is why? Why does he comfort us in our affliction? Verse four tells us, Speaking of God who comforts us in all our afflictions, then he gives us a so that. When you see that in the, in the book or in the Bible, you need to take account. Why is that there? What is he telling us? What's the purpose of this? He says, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction 
with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So Paul says, why does God bring you comfort in your afflictions? He says, so that you may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. God comforts you so that you can comfort somebody else. Your comfort was never meant to stop with you. When God blesses you with that comfort and that strength in the midst of an affliction, it's meant for you to pass that along. And he says that we do that with the same comfort. Did you notice that? In verse 4 it says, So that we may, able to com- we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. You use God's comfort to comfort other people. You use God's strength to strengthen other people. He gives you the tool, right? He does the job, and then he hands the tool to you so that you can use it on the next job. You use the same exact tool set that God uses so that we can comfort people in their affliction. As a matter of fact, not just comfort and affliction, all of Christian life is meant to be shared with one another. Particularly here in this passage, we see that suffering and comfort, affliction and comfort, are both meant to be shared in the Christian life. Notice what he says. He says in verse 5, we share abundantly in Christ, or actually go to verse 6. If we are afflicted, it's for your comfort and salvation. And if we're comforted, it's for your comfort which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. So Paul's saying, hey, if, if I'm afflicted, I know that I'm afflicted so that you might be comforted. And if I'm comforted, I know I'm comforted so that you might be comforted as well. As we see one another struggle in affliction, and as we see one another comforted out of that affliction, we share in both of those things. We share in comfort and we share in affliction we bear one another's burdens in that way and we have to change our perspective on suffering in order to do that right we have to stop seeing suffering the way that the world tells us to see suffering because what does suffering equal what did job's friends say why did job's friends say he was suffering remember that story from the old testament the the accuser came before god and said hey Your servant Job, he wouldn't follow you if he suffered. And so God says, all right, bring suffering upon him. Just don't take his life, right? So it goes through that whole story. And Job's friends that come to give him comfort, they say, well, Job, you must have done something. You did something wrong in your life. Therefore, that's why you're suffering. That's how we think of suffering. If I'm suffering, if I'm going through something hard and difficult, is it because I've done something wrong? I must not be living right. Is that what we say, right? If, some, if something goes good for somebody, we say, oh man, you must be living right. That's because we, we let this idea of karma slip into our Christianity. Do you know what karma is? Karma says you do good, you get good, you do bad, you get bad, right? That's not Christianity. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a Hindu religion concept that slips into our mindset. But we suffer from it, right? Because we think if I'm doing good, I should be getting good. And if I start to suffer in any way, I must have done something wrong. Or if you see that in somebody else's life, they must not be living right if they're suffering, if they're going through something difficult. But what does this passage say? Paul says, I'm suffering not because I've done something wrong, but so I can help somebody else out. There are times when suffering and affliction is going to come into your life. And it's not because God's trying to punish you for something. It's not because you've done something wrong. 
But it's because God wants to use that affliction in your life to bring you comfort and to bring somebody else comfort. Think of the man that was paralyzed and the disciples asked him, it was either the disciples or the Pharisees, somebody asked Jesus, why is this man paralyzed? Was it because of his sin or was it his parents' sin? Notice the assumption is somebody sinned, that's why he's suffering. But Jesus says it's not about his sin or his parents' sin. He has this affliction so that God might receive glory through it. And he heals him. And, God, and there's glory brought to God through that. So it's possible that the affliction you go through, the suffering you go through, is not meant to bring you punishment, but it's meant to bring God praise by comforting somebody else in the midst of that. Comforts and afflictions are both meant to be shared. And it's made possible... It's grounded in the fact that Jesus, we share in Jesus' suffering and his comfort. Notice verse 5, that starts with the word for. Another translation of the word for is for because. So he's saying we're afflicted or we're comforted in our affliction because we share in, share abundantly in Christ's sufferings. So through Christ we may abundantly share in comfort too. So when our, our, our ability to suffer with somebody else and our ability to be comforted with somebody else is based on the fact that this is what happens to us in Christ. We share in Christ's sufferings. Paul shared in Christ's sufferings. Not that we die for other people's sins. We don't mean that. But we, sometimes we share in Christ's sufferings because we suffer for doing good. We suffer as we share the gospel, as we bring the gospel to other places, the world pushes back on that and we suffer. So we share in Christ's sufferings. And just as much as we share in Christ's sufferings, we share in his comfort as well, abundantly in his comfort. And so because we truly share in Christ's sufferings and because we can truly share in his comfort, we can do the same with other people. We can do the same with other people. It's possible through Christ that we can share in affliction and suffering of somebody else. But what does that look like in a tangible way? What does that look like to, to see with your own eyes? What does that look like in our lives? Well, number three. So we've seen the, the God's praise for our comfort. We've seen God's purpose for our comfort. Now let's look at God's process for our comfort. How does he kind of bring that about in our lives? How is it that we share in the sufferings of other people and share in their comfort? What does it look like? Well, I think it looks like prayer. I think it looks like prayer. So when Paul says that he looks at the Corinthians and, and sees that they patiently experience or that the, they experience when they patiently endure the same sufferings that Paul suffers. They're not in the same place. They're not interacting with the same people at this moment. How is it that the Corinthians are sharing in the suffering with Paul? I think it's through prayer. Notice what he does in verses 8 through 11. He lets them know of the extreme affliction that he's gone through so that they can pray for him in verse 11. Verse 8 says, I don't want you to be unaware, brothers. Paul's like, I, I need you guys to know this. I don't want you to be unaware. I need you to know this of the affliction that we experience in Asia. I'm reading in verse 8. For we were utterly burdened beyond strength, that we were despaired of life. Indeed, we felt that we'd received the destiny. So Paul has a prayer request so bad that he thought, I'm going to die because of this. Paul was suffering so bad that he thought life was over. He thought I, he had received the death sentence. But as he reflects on that, he realizes that that was too, verse 9, 
That was to make him rely or make us rely not on ourselves, but on God. So that suffering forced Paul to rely on God instead of himself. To rely on God instead of himself, the God who raises from the dead. And as Paul continues to reflect, he says, God's delivered us from this before, so we know that he's going to deliver us from this again. And then finally we get to verse 11. You also must help us by prayer. So Paul has shared this deep, tragic experience that he's had. He's told them about that so that they can help him by prayer. And he gives the purpose for that so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. So Paul was suffering, the Corinthians were sharing in that suffering, and they were doing that through prayer. Prayer allows you to share in someone else's suffering. Prayer is a way that you can share in someone else's sufferings. When you hear somebody share a prayer request, something going on in their life, you need, as the body of Christ, you need to realize that prayer request and that burden in that person's life is my burden as well. As you hear somebody share that burden that's going on in their life, you need to look at it and say, that's my burden as well. And when you do, you're able to share in that suffering. If that person's going through a physically difficult time, then you can share in that suffering with them as you pray for them. And not only does prayer allow you to share in suffering, it also allows you to share in comfort. It allows you to share in comfort as well. As you pray for people and you're starting to take on that burden on yourself that they have in their life, guess what? When they receive comfort from that, you receive comfort as well. I've never seen the Bible come alive more um, than I did in, in a prayer room at our old church. Whitney and I went to a church in Louisville. Um, it's called Emmanuel Baptist Church. And instead of doing Sunday school in the morning, they would do prayer rooms. And it would be similar to what we do on Wednesday mornings. Uh, those of you that come on, on Wednesday mornings, we'd have a list, a prayer list of, of different things that we'd go through. And then after we'd finished that list, we would just, hey, does anybody have any prayer requests uh, going on? And we would hear a prayer request. We would stop and we would pray for that person. That's why if you come to community group, that's why I pray like that. I don't just field a bunch of requests and then pray for them all at once. I like to stop and pray for each one. And I've never seen the Bible come more to life than I did there. This passage, I just feel like I saw it all over that room. Because I, I can remember specifically, uh, there was a, a woman who was sharing, just being very vulnerable and sharing about how her husband had chosen to leave her um, and abandon her um, and... Tears are coming and, and she's hurt and you can just feel the pain um, in her life. And then another sister comes along and says, in that prayer meeting, I went through the same thing. My and she starts to cry as well. Her tears were that sister's tears. She was experiencing the same thing that other sister had experienced. And when she prayed, she was able to pray for that woman in a way that none of the rest of us were able to pray because she had gone through that same experience and was able to give comfort out of the affliction that she had experienced. That's what happens when we pray. When you pray and you share um, what's going on in your life, there's somebody in that room who's probably experienced the same thing you're praying, has actually experienced deliverance through that affliction, and now they have the, a, a way to bless you as they pray because they've gone through that same experience. So as you look back on the afflictions that's been in your life, realize, I mean, God may have 
may have allowed you to go through that experience, that affliction, so that when you get the chance, you can pray for somebody who's gone through that same exact experience. And you can pray for them in a way that no one else can because you know the, the, the special needs that are in that affliction. You know the, the, the small details that no one else is going to think of as you go through that. And when we do that, that's God's process for comforting people. See yourself as a vehicle. You are like the road that God drives down in order to bless somebody else. And he does that through your afflictions and your comfort. So what does that look like for our church? How do we apply that to uh, First Baptist Church of Commerce? Well, one thing you might do is try to make it to any kind of prayer meetings we might have, whether that's prayer in Sunday school, prayer on Wednesday mornings, prayer on community group nights, on Sunday nights. Make it to those meetings. Um, Those are blessed times where we can pray for one another. Second is share your afflictions in those meetings. Share the burdens that you have in your life. Share the sufferings that you're going through. Now, that's tough sometimes, right? Because pride, a lot of times, is going to get in the way of you telling somebody else the difficulties in your life. Don't let pride keep you from sharing your burdens. Because a lot of times, you're carrying that burden by yourself that was never meant to be carried just by you. That's like going through life and trying to carry those burdens by yourself and not letting other Christians pray for you. It's like trying to pick that piano up by yourself. You're not going to be able to do it. You're probably going to hurt yourself in the process and break the piano too. You're not meant to carry your burdens by yourself. Let your brothers and sisters in Christ share those burdens with you through prayer. Don't let pride keep you from sharing your burdens. Also... Don't let pride keep you from sharing in someone else's burdens as well. Sometimes when we hear prayer requests, we can tune them out, right? We can say, well, that's not, that's not something I'm going through. I just will let them pray. Somebody else can pray for them. No, pride can keep you from listening and sharing in someone else's burden. So when you hear somebody sharing a burden in their life, don't think of it as that's disconnected from me. That's somebody else's problem. No, you say, that is my problem. I'm going to pray for that person. I'm going to bear that burden with them as well. So share your afflictions in prayer meetings. Third, share your comforts in those prayer meetings as well. If you have shared a burden that you're bearing in a, in, in, in a prayer meeting, don't leave that book open. Close it eventually. Don't leave that, that, uh, that not on... on trying to think of an analogy. Don't, don't leave that untouched, right? Come back and report how God has brought results in that so that those people can receive comfort from your comfort. If you shared a prayer request about how you're seeking a job and, and you just it, it, there's no way that you're going to be able to put food on the table if you don't get a job in this next week, and when God gives you that job, come back and praise God for it in the midst of your brothers and sisters. Say, hey, you guys, God answered my prayer through you so that they can receive that comfort, right? Because what's going to happen is, one, they're going to be pumped that you got that job. And second, they're going to realize God can provide that for me, too, if I ever go through that. If I ever go through that difficult time, God can provide for me as well. So share, uh, share your comforts in those prayer meetings. If you've committed or if you've asked somebody to pray with you, share the results. If you've committed to pray for somebody else, ask about those results. If someone has been um, kind enough to tell you, something difficult in their life that they need prayer for, follow up with them. Follow up with them. Ask them about what has happened in their life. 
so that you can bring so that you can receive comfort from them. Don't let pride, again, we're talking about pride, don't let pride keep you from celebrating someone else's answer to prayer. We can be jealous people, even within our Christianity, right? And we can see somebody get an answer to prayer, and we can, in our pride and selfishness, think, why'd God do that for them and not me, right? We should be able to see someone else's prayer get answered and celebrate it, and realize it's your prayer that's been answered as well because that was your burden, right? God has answered that prayer and you should be able to celebrate that person getting an answer to prayer because it's an answer to your prayer and it's hope that your prayer will be answered later on as well. So share your comforts in prayer meetings. Fourth, be intentional about how you pray for the people in your church. Be intentional about how you pray for the people in your church. The people, we have a responsibility to pray for everybody, right? Uh, if someone, if a stranger asks you to pray for them, that's good. You should pray for them. If another member from another church asks you to pray for them, you should do that. Our prayer list on Wednesday morning has a bunch of people on it who are not members of our church, and the many of us don't know them. But you have a particular um, responsibility to pray for the people that are closest to you in your life. The closer somebody is to you, the more responsibility you have to pray for them, like your spouse, your kids, your family, and then your church family. You have a responsibility to pray for the people that are sitting in the pew next to you. So be intentional about that. One way you might do that is each week pick a different church member to pray through, pray for. Um, maybe one, one week you pray for the Osbournes. The next week you pray for the Turners. The next week you pray for the Webbs, right? The next week you, you go through and you pray for different people in the church and pick somebody to do that. You might ask them, say, hey, we're praying. my family's praying for you guys this week. Is there any way that, uh, what, in what way can we particularly be praying for you? If you don't get a chance to do that, here's an easy way that you can pray for somebody. Inside of your bulletin, if you have one, hopefully you do, you'll find a little paper that looks like this. You guys can take that home with you. Um, and this is just using the Bible to pray for people. It says, praying the Lord's Prayer for others. Read Matthew 6, 9 through 13 and pray through the following categories for someone specific. What you can do is you can take this, you can keep it by your kitchen table or by your nightstand or by your um, table and living room. Wherever it is that you might do your prayers, um, Maybe that's your big comfy chair, wherever it is. And use this to pray for somebody. Pick somebody in the church. Say, we're going to pray for Whitney. And you're going to pray for Whitney through these categories. You'll pray that God would, or you'll pray that Whitney would learn to adore God's name. Sometimes it's hard for us to remember to praise God, right? So you pray, pray that she would adore God's name. Pray that she would accept God's will in her life. Pray that she would admit God's daily provision, realizing that she needs to rely on God for even the food on the table each day. Four, that she would ask God's forgiveness, that she would continually be seeking to be forgiven by the Lord. Five, that she would affirm forgiveness toward other people, right? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Is that how I say that? Yeah. And then uh, six, pray that she would avoid evil, that she would have wisdom to know what's right and what's wrong and that she would avoid that. You can take the Lord's Prayer, pray through those six categories Four different people in our church. So if you have a kind of hard time remembering, maybe you don't know all the names of the people in our church. Think of where you are right now. It's likely that you sat there last week and that you're going to sit there next week, right? So um, when I think of you guys, a lot of times I'm thinking like, okay, Mannings are right here. 
um, you know, Linda is back there. Like, I know exactly where you guys sit. You can probably do that as well. So if you think, man, who can I pray for today? Think about where you're sitting in church and look around. You can probably see where the longs are sitting, right? You can see where Rachel's sitting. You see where um, Johnny and Janet are sitting. In your mind, you can see that and pick a different person to pray through. And folks, you can do this with your kids. If you're a parent, each time you guys pray for dinner or whenever your kind of regular prayer time is, maybe before bed, say, hey, let's pray for somebody in our church. They probably know a kid in the church that they want to pray for. Hey, I want to pray for my little buddy so-and-so. Um, maybe somebody's on, their fo- on the football team with them in class with them. Teach your kids to pray for other people as well. And if we do that, if we take this call to pray intentionally, I promise you, based on God's word, that as you intentionally pray for other people, God is not only going to comfort them in their affliction through your prayers, but he's also going to comfort you through your prayer for them. And, and if you're doing that, know that somebody else is doing that very same thing for you, praying for you intentionally, praying for you in your affliction. As we close this morning, I want uh, Lori to keep, go ahead and come up and, and, uh, and play. I'm going to let Lori just play through the, uh, play the piano a little bit. And what I want us to do this morning, instead of, um, instead of standing and singing, I want you to take this list that's in your hand. I want you to pick somebody in your mind. Somebody could be in this room. Maybe it's somebody not in this room. And Lori's going to play the piano for a few minutes. And I want you to pray down through this list for somebody that God places on your heart. Okay? Pray through this list for somebody that God places on your heart. And after a few moments, I'll pray to close us.